0: hey what's up guys welcome back to couchside sports we got episode 10 today it is september 10th the nfl is back and as always it is your co-host kyle french and and unfortunately we got no michael burke today the homie went back to grad school at st john's uh, we wish him the best of luck he will be coming back on the show frequently via phone we'll be getting his takes hot takes uh you know we will have that back and forth but unfortunately, this episode is going to, just going to be solo, just your guy, Kyle French, giving you the details. So we're going to hold a, a quick moment of silence for Mike Burke. All right, so let's jump into things here. We got the NFL back. Uh, like I said, today September 10th. Games just started, kicked off. It's a nice Sunday. But Thursday night, we had an incredible game. Uh, New England Patriots, Kansas City Chiefs. The opener, Super Bowl champs coming out to defend their home turf, show them what they got for the next season. Reloaded roster. Everything's looking good. We're raising the banners. We got Celebration going. Goodell's in the building. He's getting booed. Everything's looking great. Looks like we're going to go out, just mop up these Kansas City Chiefs, show them that we're going 16-0 this year. And none of that happened. It was was messy. Chiefs dominated. 42-27 final. The defending champs 0-1 to start the season. And probably my least favorite thing about this is the probably the Bills, is my guess, are going to be sitting at the top of the division. I mean, it's Bills-Jets uh, going down today. If Bills win, they move to 1-0. and You got Jets and Patriots at 0-1. And uh, the Dolphins on the bye week, of course, due to the hurricane hit in Miami. Uh, you know, a little schedule change there. Hope everyone in Miami is doing just fine. And uh, hopefully those Dolphins can turn around and, uh, you know, give something back to the community there, but they're not playing. So my guess is Bills are going to be leading this division, the AFC East, which is just a shame. Um, I'm sure the Patriots will be back soon, but that's how things look as of now. So let's dive into the game here. It looked like it was going to be blowout early. It really looked good. I mean, Patriots get the ball first. They march it down the field, no problems. Mike Gillislee runs it in for six. We're up 7-0. We kick the ball back to the Chiefs. Here you go, guys. Let's see what you can do. Let's see what you got. See what we got for the champs. They give it to Kareem Hunt, rookie running back. Fumble, first play. Patriots fall on it. And I'm like, wow, this this is looking ugly. This could be a special season, the way this is kicking off. So we we get like a first down or so. Second down, we throw it to Gronk in the end zone. Didn't think he had a chance at catching it. Dives, lays out, puts everything on the line, brings it in, touchdown. It looks like we're up 14-0. They go to the review, take it back, ball hit the ground, reset, we get a couple yards on third down. It's fourth and short, and I was in full support of this decision. By the way, no problems with it. Belichick says keep the offense on the on the field. We're going for fourth. We're gonna punch this in. We're gonna end this quickly. Kansas City, a defense I was raving about in the, in our past episode, stands them up, stops them on the run. They get the ball back, march right back down the field, touchdown. And all of a sudden, it's 7-7. I thought it was going to be a blowout over by halftime. And all of a sudden, we've got a game on our hands. Uh, And then from then on out, things really turned south for the Patriots. Uh, You know, we we had injuries to Danny Amendola, who looked like he was going to be the new Julian Edelman. He was cutting it up from the slot. Had 90-so yards, you know, in the first half. Goes out with a concussion, I believe it was. Uh, Then Dante Hightower goes down with a knee injury. He's our best defender, best I don't know if he's our best defender, best linebacker, and he's the focal point of our defense, communicating everything. A lot of the defense runs through him, so losing him hurts, especially since we don't have a good replacement for him, not a lot of depth at that position. Now we're in trouble. Kansas City starts racking up points, and it was was ugly. But what I do have to say is this is not going to be the Patriots team you see in a few months. This is not going to be the team we're going to see come playoff time I mean, like I mentioned, two big injuries, key injuries, especially with Edelman gone, losing another receiver like Amendola hurts because that left us with our primary receivers being Brandon Cooks, who's a new player we just got him this offseason, and Philip Dorsett, who's a really new player. We got him, like, last week. I mean, this guy can't know anything about the playbook. He's out there. He's like, hey, Philip, go get out on the field, run straight, maybe you get the ball. That was his, his game plan. I'm sure of it. And so those two things, I mean, the chemistry, not there. I mean, you lose a guy like Edelman and Amidola and go to these two guys who Brady has never played with, there's just no chemistry, and it, it caused problems. And another new guy, Stephon Gilmore, in the secondary, he, we brought him in from Buffalo to be a shutdown corner. He blew a coverage, left Tyreek Hill wide open for like a 68-yard touchdown, whatever it was. Um, and then, you know, we lost Hightower, and his backup gives up a 70-yard touchdown to Kareem Hunt, who they slid him out to the slot. He's their running back. He got out there. Uh, caught a huge pass to break open the game. And so if you're looking for reasons for why the Patriots lost and you want to make excuses, they're right there for you. But the bottom line is they just didn't play well and they lost to a team that was better than them on on that night. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. You can look at all those things, all the injuries, all the new players. It doesn't matter. They should have won this game. And the reason they didn't is just simply because they played poorly, Brady included, Belichick included, didn't coach well. And they got beat by a team who who's better than them and knows who they are. And that's one of the reasons I picked the Kansas City Chiefs to win uh, the AFC West. A lot of people are saying that's the Raiders division. I disagree. I think the Chiefs are super consistent. They've got a great defense, which you know if you've heard the uh, NFL Prediction show, I'm big on defense. And they just, Alex Smith is a solid quarterback. He's People think he's some slouch, so like, oh, he's... He's a, a game manager is what they often call him. Like, oh, he just throws these dink passes and hands it off to the running backs. He showed us he can do a lot more than that on Thursday night. He threw multiple beautiful passes downfield. He can, you know, he controlled the Patriots' defense in the second half. I mean, they they couldn't touch him. Uh, I didn't see them get too much pressure on him at all. There's no playmakers out there on the field and Alex Smith was just carving them up for the most part. And uh that was tough to tough to see, but that's the way it goes. And the other reason that I like the Chiefs a lot, they, they showed it off um, in, this, in this game on Thursday night, is they have so many different ways and crafty little plays on offense that they can beat you with. I mean, I saw them run this, this inside pitch to Travis Kelsey, which no other team runs. who's, who's bringing in their tight end, you know out of his, his flat formation, bringing him into the backfield, and then running an inside, you know these like option pitches to the tight end. Who's doing that? And they've got these end-round plays for Tyreek Hill. I'm sure we'll see. They'll be getting him involved in all types of different ways. I think they have one of the craftiest playbooks in the NFL. I think they know who they are. They've got a confident quarterback who's now playing for his job. They brought in the, uh, the rookie Mahomes, who people think can, can compete and take away Alex Smith's job. I don't think he will. I think Smith is gonna, he's going to come out this season and prove himself. He knows what it was like when he lost his job to Colin Kaepernick in San Francisco when many people thought that he shouldn't have lost his job, me being one of those people. Of course, it turned out to be a pretty good uh, decision for the 49ers. Not, well, not anymore. Maybe if you look at long term, maybe not. But Colin Kaepernick did bring them to the Super Bowl. But my point being is Alex Smith knows what it feels like to lose his job even when he's playing well, and I know he doesn't want to see that happen again. So he's really going to you know, put his foot pedal to the metal He's gonna carry these Chiefs. I think they've got a great team. I think they have a great chance at getting a bye, and you know that's not just me talking about this this one game. Those were my thoughts going into the season, and you know I'm sticking by him. So even though I lost, saw my team, the New England Patriots take a fat L, you know it was good to see. I was somewhat right about the Chiefs, and also you guys can put this one on on me to a degree. I preach the couchside sports motto. You know, our perspective on sports from the comforts of our living rooms, sitting on our couches, and I ditched my couch Thursday night, headed out foolishly to uh, a Buffalo Wild Wings, enjoyed an excellent dinner, excellent environment. Can't be doing that, though. I've learned my lesson. You know, I'll I'll be on myself next time, make sure I stay on the couch where I belong, the way things should be. You know, that one's on me. I I was pulled in by some meaty, boneless, tasty chicken. My promise to you guys, it won't happen again. The good news for Patriots fans, though, is we've seen this before. In 2014, they went to Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City. They got the brakes beat off them. It was like a 42-10, 13 game, something like that. And then they went on a run, came back, and they won the Super Bowl that year against the Seattle Seahawks. So the good news for those out here rooting for the Patriots is we've seen this happen before, and they came back from it, and they went all the way. So that's your silver lining. But overall, even though they lost and that's my team, I'm just happy to see football's back. I mean, I just love the sport, love watching it. Nothing better than just kicking back on a Sunday and taking in some good football. And starting next week, uh, me and co-host Michael Burke will be giving uh, some picks for each week's NFL play. We'll be giving our our, uh, pick on who we think will win each night game, Sunday night and Monday night. And we'll also be doing upset of the week. Where we'll point out one game where we are sure the underdog will will scrape it out and take out the uh, the points favorite based on you know the odds the Vegas odds so you guys can look forward to that we'll have our picks up we'll talk about them on the show we'll put them on Twitter uh, as always you can follow us on Twitter at Couchside Sports with a Z the last S in Sports is spelled as a Z so you guys can go support us there interact with us let us know what you think about the show what you might want to see. Ask us any questions, anything at all, we'll answer it. doesn't have to be sports-related. Just hit us with anything, and uh, you know we'll give you the, our perspectives from our couches. You know the way it goes. And so looking forward uh, for these two teams anyway. The New England Patriots will be facing the New Orleans Saints next week on the road. That's going to be a tough game. Drew Brees and company always a tough out, especially in the Superdome. So we'll see if they can avoid an 0-2 start. Hopefully they can, but it's certainly going to be tough, especially if uh, those injured players remain out. As for the Kansas City Chiefs, they will be taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. Should be a, a pretty good matchup there. I mean, I think the Chiefs are the superior team. But Philly's uh, no joke, we'll see how far Carson Wentz has progressed. You know, since his rookie season, he's had a full offseason. They've brought in some new players. look Garrett Blunt's in that backfield now. You know, the the defense usually causes problems gets some turnovers so we'll see how that game goes see if the Chiefs can increase you know to 2 and0 on the season. that'd be a great start for the Chiefs but like I said I expect nothing less great team there. So we're gonna move on from football and one thing that I, I wanted to address on today's episode was a couple of players Tribune articles that I caught this past week uh, one from Isaiah Thomas, one from Tim Duncan, two big names you know from the NBA. And for those of you who don't know, the Players Tribune is pretty much a way for players to write their own stories. So instead of the media, you know, twisting their words or you know, putting any type of spins on any stories, the players can really give their unfiltered thoughts, you know, say whatever they want to say and give their perspectives without, you know, having to go through a third party. So Isaiah Thomas wrote one called This is for Boston, pretty much his goodbye to the city of Boston since being traded to the Cavaliers, which was finalized recently. And first off, I just got to say, his goodbye was miles better than Kyrie's. Um, I retweeted Kyrie's, you know, goodbye video that he posted on Twitter, so you guys can go check that out. But it was was terrible. It didn't look like he planned it at all. It was like rambling, off-topic, just like random thoughts and pieces. And he was talking about, you know, he said some good things about how he wanted to you know, fulfill his own destiny and and this stuff. But for the most part, it was off topic. It didn't really feel that, you know, heartfelt. It didn't really, he, he just kind of did it on a whim. Like, it's something he had to do. Isaiah Thomas wrote, sat down, wrote this incredible article. You know, he, he detailed all the parts of the trade from hearing about it from, you know, Danny Ainge to FaceTiming his sons to let them know that they're moving out of Boston and going to Cleveland and it was, it was really well written. He, One of the, my favorite things about it is he broke down, you know, the, the player side of trades as compared to, like, free agency. So his example was, you know, everybody killed Kevin Durant for leaving Oklahoma City, you know, being so unloyal and going to Golden State for what was better for him. And he's pointing out that owners do this all the time. They're not loyal to their players. 95% of the time, they're the one with the power. And they pretty much tell guys left and right to just, Pick up their stuff, move themselves and their family to a different city, and they have no say in the matter at all. And I thought, you know, that was pretty powerful for him to talk about that, and especially like the lack of loyalty. Like he's saying, you know, he he put his all into Boston and in building that team up, and he's talking about how, you know, three days, whatever it was after his sister died, he went out there and gave everything he had for the Boston Celtics, and in the end, it meant nothing because you know they just wanted to to in their eyes better the team, which he points out several times in here, which I love, that the Celtics did not get better, which I agree with him, even though they did get the better player in the trade, and Kyrie Irving, superiorly skilled, but the you know, the heart that Isaiah brings is a big factor that you cannot measure. Another thing Isaiah did in this article was he broke down, you know, what everyone has been talking about, the fact that pretty much the two point guards on the best teams in the East just swapped sides and he's talking about the weird reality that he built up the celtics he feels like he was the main person and the main driving force behind getting them to the elite team they are and getting to the number one seed and contending with the Cavs in the east and in his mind he like built all this up he put in all this work and now he's traded and his job is pretty much to destroy everything that boston's built and it's just a really weird dynamic for him specifically for kyrie it's it's different. Like, he wanted to leave the Cavs. He, he wants, more than anything, to go back to Cleveland and beat them with his new team, the Boston Celtics. Whereas Isaiah is in a different boat. He didn't want to leave. He mentions multiple times in here how he saw himself going down as, as a Celtics great, and that's something he really wanted, and he appreciates the fans there, and he saw what they did for Paul Pierce when the Clippers came to town and the ovation they gave him when it was his last game in the Garden. And he was thinking about, you know, he could go down as one of the Celtics greats with, with Russell and, and Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and KG and Paul Pierce and that dynasty. And he was thinking he could build something like that, contend for a championship every year. And all of a sudden he's gone out of nowhere with no say in the matter. So it's a really weird dynamic for him and he pretty much just broke down, you know, how that feels and, and the truth behind the business of the NBA and I thought it was a great read. Something that I would definitely recommend. I'm pretty sure I retweeted this as well, so you can go through my my Twitter or our Couchside Sports Twitter with a Z as always, and uh, you can find that article and read that. I'll be wishing you know the absolute best for Isaiah Thomas on the Cavs this season. He's one of my favorite players in the NBA. You know, like I mentioned, um, I believe in past episodes, you know, he's a small guy, five nine. I'm a small guy as well. Love the game of basketball. So he's kind of you know. Not necessarily a role model, but a guy I I just naturally align myself with. And everybody says the NBA is super predictable. I just think it's going to be an incredible season, lots of excitement. Sure, the Cavs and the Celtics are looking like the top two in the East, but I'll be waiting for that battle all year. I mean, I can't wait to see that go down. And who knows what's going to happen out West. Can't wait to get back into basketball talk in general. You know, we'll have an NBA prediction episode. Just how we had the NFL prediction episode uh, this past week. We'll have that coming gotta be, you know, mid October around then. I heard the season is starting a little bit earlier than usual to add, you know, more rest days and such like that, you know, to help the guys out health wise. So it'll be starting a little bit earlier than uh, you know, we are used to seeing. But of course, like I mentioned, we will have that full NBA breakdown coming in probably about a month. And hopefully, you know, we get, Mike Mike Burke will definitely be on for that one, whether it's by phone or in studio, uh, you know, is yet to be seen, but we'll definitely get his thoughts on there. Um, the other Players' Tribune article I wanted to reference here is one that Tim Duncan wrote. That's right, the, uh, the silent man of the NBA. This man never talks, doesn't like the media, nothing, wrote a whole article on something that, uh, you know, he's really passionate about, that being his hometown or his home nation I guess you could say not even a nation it's part of the United States but the U.S. Virgin Islands Uh, the article was titled don't forget about the islands and it pretty much talks about the devastation of you know Hurricane Irma which hit the Virgin Islands and most people I mean they know it went through that area but they don't consciously think about it because they don't you know think about it as part of the United States everybody was worried about you know Florida getting hit And I think he's kind of right. People did forget about the islands, kind of, you know, like not push them under the rug. Not that no one cares about them, but I don't think as many people were thinking about them consciously, you know, as as they were places like Florida or obviously Houston after um, Harvey hit there. And he pretty much details in here, you know, where he grew up and all the buildings that are probably going to be destroyed and all the people who need help and all the money he's going to be donating and he details the relief efforts that he's going to be, you know, sending to the islands to help the people. And I just thought it was a great article. Like I said, especially for a guy who doesn't speak out that much. It's actually the first thing he says in the article. The first words are, hey, it's Tim. I'm not normally one to speak directly in the media or write stuff publicly. So I guess by him writing that, you know, it's definitely Tim Duncan. So um, you know, definitely something that he cares about a lot and something that's pretty important you know he referenced that Hurricane Hugo hit the island you know when he was like in in middle school or something like that I think he said like 12 or 13 years old and that was that was devastating and he said you know this could be even worse and so he knows firsthand what it's like to see the islands devastated by a hurricane and he knows the efforts that are going to be needed to to help the people and revitalize the communities down there so that's another great read I'm not sure if I have retweeted that one on Twitter. I will try to find it and retweet that one for you guys so you can pull that up quick. If not, just search, you know, the Players' Tribune, Tim Duncan, don't forget about the islands. And I would just recommend that you keep an eye on the Players' Tribune, you know, throughout the year. I know it's something that, for me, I forget about often, but it has some of my favorite articles. I just think it's cool to hear directly from the players as opposed to... You know, third-party media, you know, interpreting their interviews or twisting or spinning their words and kind of writing to, you know, make a storyline and create excitement that might not actually be there. When you get it firsthand from the players, I don't know, I, I just think it means more, and it's cool to, to read their articles and and read about what it's like for the professional athletes that, you know, we enjoy watching on TV from the comforts of our couches. So definitely give those a read. And now we are going to transition into one of my favorite segments. We cut it out last week to get in all of our NFL predictions. But breaking news that isn't news is officially back. And we've got a hot take here. Ready? Breaking news that isn't news. I know it's a little old, so it's barely even news, and it's barely even breaking. But Floyd Mayweather beat Conor McGregor in a huge boxing match uh, about two weeks ago now. We haven't quite had a chance to cover it on the show so I just wanted to bring it up give my quick thoughts on it and obviously as you can tell from it being a breaking news it isn't a new segment this had to be seen coming I mean Floyd is an actual boxer Conor McGregor isn't it's not that hard you know one plus one equals two that's pretty much what we were dealing with here not a shocker I mean the guy was in the wrong sport and he was beat easily I know people think that he like won the first like three, four, however many rounds and they thought he was coming out firing. I just find that hard to believe. I mean, Mayweather played him. He made him punch himself out, and then after like the seventh round, he just turned it on, came forward and just shelled the guy, he just beat the crap out of him. I and mean, he wasn't even putting his hands up, throwing any punches back by the time, you know, the ninth round came around. So This was super easy to predict, I would think. And just to prove how easy it was, how unsurprising this result was, is I heard that there were guys throwing like seven figures on this fight on Mayweather. When the odds are so high in his favor, but they throw such a sure thing, why not? You throw like a million dollars, you win back like 150000 Sure, it's a huge huge risk with not even that much of a reward. But if it's that sure of a sure thing, why not? And that's how confident people were that Mayweather was going to win. And he proved them right. And I heard that, you know, Connor is still, like, recovering from this fight. I saw that Dana White wanted to have, you know, a UFC match at the end of 2016 with, like, the third leg of Connor McGregor and, and Nate Diaz. And Connor's trainer was like, nah, that, I mean, that's just unrealistic. He can't do that. He's tired and he's still recovering. I don't think he said those words because he didn't want to. Make his guy look soft, but he pretty much wrote that right out of question and said, you know, if that happens, it's gonna be in 2018, not in 2017. So you can tell he's feeling the effects. He got just this shit beat out of him, and Floyd's fine. And I heard I saw reports recently that Floyd didn't even train, and and that makes sense. I mean, you saw the lead up to this fight. Floyd was pretty much just hanging out, like he was. He was saying this guy had no chance. We never saw him, like, working hard in the gym. We never saw him doing these crazy athletic exercises like Conor was doing. He was doing all sorts of crazy stuff. He was boxing, like, every day, putting up videos all the time about him training. And Floyd was just probably chilling on a beach or, like, going to a car dealership and buying a seven-figure car. Like, he didn't care. He knew he was going to win. And I think this is probably the easiest breaking news that isn't news we've ever done. I don't think Conor ever had a chance. And I don't think if they fought 100 more times, they kind of would have a chance. People were saying, oh, if he, if he caught him with one and knocked him out, all it takes is one punch. He had that. I think it was like the second or third round. He hit him with a counter uppercut right to the jaw, did not even phase him, not, not even a little bit. Like Floyd just kept fighting like it was no big deal. So I don't know if he just missed his spot or like many people say, he's just not that strong of a puncher who knows but you know he had a, a nice shot right to the jaw uppercut did absolutely nothing and so i am not so sure that this you know one punch who knows what can happen one punch can knock out any man is true with conor mcgregor you know maybe he'll have to you know prove that in the future i don't know if they'll continue to do these boxing versus ufc fights for ufc people of course it makes sense they can make way more money which I'm sure the reason Connor took this fight was at least 50% for the money. I would go to 80%, but you know I don't want to trash his name. You know I, I know he'll come out and say 100%. He just wanted to beat Floyd, and he thought he could. But the bottom line is he, there was a lot of money on the line for him, and I can't imagine that it wasn't weighing on his mind when he agreed to take this fight. So many UFC fighters I'm sure would love to head over to the boxing ring make a huge payday, much more than they'll make in a UFC fight. And for boxers, I don't know if they would like it because it's kind of like not fighting a real opponent. Of course, Floyd's situation was different. I mean, Connor's camp was calling for the fight more than than Floyd's was, and he's like, hey, whatever, I'm 40 years old, I'll come out of retirement, get to the infamous 15-0, make $300 million in one night. Yeah, I'll do it. But I think a lot of boxers, it's going to seem like they're taking a step down and like taking an easy win as opposed to challenging themselves so who knows what will happen in in that realm like i said ufc fighters i'm sure they want it the boxing guys i'm not so sure we'll have to see it was certainly a spectacle drew in millions and millions of fans you know one of the most televised matches ever so overall it was a success i enjoyed it more than i thought i did downplay the excitement value of it even though Floyd did wipe the floor with him. It was exciting to watch. It was fun. A lot of people were interested in it, so I was a little bit wrong about uh, you know my pre-fight analysis. But anyway, that's our breaking news that isn't news. Floyd Mayweather beat Conor McGregor in a boxing match. Absolute shocker. We'll have that segment coming every episode. Hopefully, we can get uh, Mike Burke back on next episode, and we can get his breaking news that isn't news. Always a uh, you know a fun segment to do. So now we're going to move on to another thing I want to address in sports, which may be flying under the radar, is the PGA Tour FedEx Cup playoffs. That's right. Golf does have playoffs. For those of you who don't know, there is playoffs. It's not just a bunch of guys who, you know, high five each other and say, great job out there today. And they don't win anything. No, there is a, an ultimate prize here. And that would be the FedEx Cup. And pretty much how this works is there's there's four rounds of the playoffs, four tournaments, and you qualify for the playoffs by being a top one one hundred and thirty like points getter for the year. So each tournament, you know, winners get a certain amount of points. Everyone who makes the, the cut gets a certain amount of points. Obviously the winner getting way more, you know, and it, it trickling down the line until, you know, the lower guy barely gets any points, but he gets some on the board. Those are cumulatively added together, and at the end of the season, the top 130 points leaders make it into the first leg of the tournament, that being the Northern Trust Open, which went down two weeks ago. Uh, Dustin Johnson won the event, and he vaulted himself into first place as of then, and what happens is after that leg, after the Northern Trust Open, the top 100 advance, and the points are much Much higher in the playoff rounds. So, for example, when Dustin Johnson won the Northern Trust Open, he got 2,000 points just for that win alone, whereas a regular PGA Tour event in the regular season only gets 500 points. So, playing well come playoff time really pays off. Um, Other points, you know, so regular PGA Tour events in the regular season got 500. WGC events, which is World Golf Championships, got 550 for the winner. And then the majors, so the Masters, U.S. Open, British Open, and PGA Championship, as well as the Players' Championship, which is not a a major, but it's kind of considered like the fifth major. It's like the biggest tournament that isn't a major. Uh, Winning those, you get 600 points and so on. You know, the second, third, fourth, fifth place guys also get more points for the bigger events, and especially come, you know, playoff time. You can get fourth place in... A playoff event and get more points than you would have gotten for winning a regular PGA Tour event. So that just shows you how valuable playing well at the end of the season is. And so then the top 100 guys, again, cumulative scoring, advance onto the second leg, which is the Dell Technologies Championship, uh, formerly known as the Deutsche Bank Championship. It was changed, uh, the name was changed this year. So that's the second leg, goes down up in uh, Boston at TBC Boston. That happened uh, this past weekend, so not not the weekend here of the 9th and the 10th. It would have been last weekend. This week, they're actually off. There's no tournament this week. And in that tournament, the Dell Technologies Championship, Justin Thomas took home the win, and that vaulted him into first. So you can see, Dustin Johnson won the Northern Trust. He gets into first. Justin Thomas wins Dell Technologies. He gets into first. So winning these tournaments gives you a crazy amount of points. And now those two guys, as well as uh, Jordan Spieth, who's always at the top of the leaderboards, have positioned themselves in the top three. Uh, That being Justin Thomas in first, Jordan Spieth in second, Dustin Johnson in third, and then filling out the top five are Hideki Matsuyama and John Rahm. And next week we'll see the BMW Championship. Uh, So the top 70 guys advanced to the BMW. And then only the top 30 will advance to the tour championship, which is the final event of the year, only 30 guys playing, and the number one player, get this, wins $10 million. There's money in golf, folks. You think that the the guys in the NBA and the NFL are getting paid crazy amounts of money, and you're right, they're making a lot more. But there's money in golf. I mean, that's a $10 million payday for winning that tournament. That's crazy money, crazy money. And so these guys are are doing pretty well. You know, they're underrated athletes out there in the uh, the sports hemisphere. And like I said, those top three have positioned themselves really well to you know have a chance to win. If either three of those guys wins the BMW Championship next week, they'll have a decided advantage going into you know the Tour Championship, and they'll be far and away the favorites to take home that ten million dollar payday. You know, if anyone else wins outside of the top three, they vault themselves into contention because, like I said, 2,000 points right there is is a huge number, especially considering the leader cumulative for the entire year has, has just over 5,000, that being Justin Thomas. So 2,000 points goes a long way. A win goes a long way. So there's plenty of guys who can sneak in. And the other thing that I love about the PGA Tour playoffs is when you're watching on Sunday, not only are you following the leaders to see who can win the tournament, but every position matters. It's not like these guys who are, who are just making the cut and competing for, like, 40th or 50th overall. They're playing to, to move on. So there's action going on all over the course. It's not just the leaders group and, you know, the other guys like, oh, you know, we don't, we don't have a chance to win. So, you know, not that they ever just pack it in and, and don't try. They, they're always trying to get a better position. But it means a lot more come playoff time, and it's it's just fun to watch the guys, you know, right on the line and see it, you know, who can vault themselves into the next leg, because for some guys, you know, that's a huge achievement. They they might not be looking to get first place in the tour championship, but just getting to the BMW the third leg or, or the second leg of the playoffs means a lot to them, and it's it's just like uh, any other type of playoffs. Like if you look at the NBA, there's plenty of teams who consider making it to the the second round of the playoffs, a success, even though they didn't, you know, win the championship. No one will say it out loud, but there's plenty of organizations, I'm sure, you know, this year who would be content with just making the playoffs. And so that's kind of what it's like for these guys. And, you know, they're really working, even if they're not at the top of the leaderboard, to to advance and to make it into that top 70. Or, you know, like next week when we see the BMW Championship, the top 30 will advance. And, uh, you know, you see who's really got it come, come clutch time. There's guys who make, you know, play bad holes down the stretch, make a, a bogey or double bogey, and all of a sudden they're not moving on. So, you know, you got to have that clutch gene in golf. So, you know, I would recommend for anyone who hasn't watched the PGA before or is looking to get into, you know, watching golf or playing golf to check out these next two tournaments coming in the next two weeks, BMW Championship, Tour Championship, You'll see some of the best golf all year. Uh, my pick to win, or not maybe not my pick to win, but the guy I really want to win is Dustin Johnson. I've been a fan of him. He had complications a couple years ago with uh, some type of, you know, off-the-course incidents with, with drugs, but he's kind of made his comeback, and he's come back stronger than ever. And he's he's always been one of my favorite players. He hits the ball a mile. He hits it a long way, and he's, he's fun to watch. He's really improved his, uh, you know, his short game, and that's what's put him in a position to compete for a tour championship like this. So that would be my guy. Um, I'll be rooting for him. Jordan Spieth, always a good bet, and Justin Thomas has been on fire. So either of those guys could take it, and you know, like I said, winning this tournament does a lot for anyone in the back half of the pack. Gives them a chance. It's really, really anyone's game. So you know, we'll see how it finishes up, but it should be exciting. Should be fun to watch. And then another thing I just want to note quickly here before uh, we wrap up is the U.S. Open for tennis has been going down the past couple weeks. And the winners were just crowned, you know, today and yesterday. So we saw Rafael Nadal take home the U.S. Open against Ken Anderson in the final. Uh, That went down this afternoon, I believe. And Rafael put him away easily, you know, won the first three sets Ah, six three, six three, six four, so not too much of a challenge. But but shout out to Ken Anderson. I mean, he was the twenty eighth seed going into this event. Not often you see a guy go that far uh, with that low of a ranking. So quite a run from the South African Ken Anderson. Uh, great job for him. But you know, the Nadal. He's a dominant player. He's been a little bit off his game as of recently. But you know, maybe this could be. You know, he's coming back. Put himself back on top of the tennis world. Uh, Roger Federer, who was a big name coming off a, a big Wimbledon win, uh, didn't fare too well. He lost to Juan Del Potro uh, somewhat early on in the event. A lot of people thought he would be contending uh, in the final you know, or, or making it pretty deep in the tournament, which didn't happen to be, be the case, but uh, still a great year for him at such a, an old age. On the women's side of things, we saw Sloane Stephens get the win over Madison Keys. Uh, this was exciting because Sloane Stephens is the first American women, woman to win a tennis grand slam in a long time, not named Serena Williams. Obviously, Serena dominates uh, women's tennis, and she wins a lot of majors, a lot of events. And besides her, it's been a lot of uh, foreign, foreigners, foreigners. Well, I mean, tennis is a worldwide game, so they're not really foreigners, but coming from the perspective of the U.S., foreigners winning uh, most of these tournaments, so it's good to see another U.S. Uh, woman get out there and, and take home a title, so a little bit of pride for the, the home nation here. To be honest, I couldn't catch too much of the U.S. Open. I only saw you know bits and pieces of, of some matches. I've been gearing up for NFL, but just for those who are interested, I just wanted to let you guys know who won. Just keep you updated. Because as always, like I say, it's just everything we take in from our couches. We're not trying to just focus on the big three or the big four sports. We try to give you a little piece of everything. Hopefully we'll have that uh, that rare sports you didn't know were intense segment coming back. We had a lot of fun with that talking about you know kayak slalom and, and, and darts. And we talked about disc golf on there. You know, that's just a lot of fun, a lot of niche sports that, that go under the radar that are, are worth our attention sometimes. And we'll have the, the Winter Olympics coming up soon, which will be a lot of fun. You know, I can't wait. I love the Olympics. I talked about it, you know, in past episodes, how much I love watching the Summer Olympics. And uh, the Winter Olympics is, is not quite the level of, of the summer games, but it's still exciting. Still a lot of crazy things going down, you know, out on the uh, the ski slopes and especially that's some of my favorite events to watch for winter games so Um, but yeah in a few months we'll get to that when that starts rolling around and we'll have guests coming on Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show I've got a hockey specialist coming in so you'll be hearing from him soon and we also will have uh, some guys coming in updating us on the U.S. chances of qualifying for the World Cup so look forward to those I think that's going to wrap up our episode today unfortunately we we couldn't have mike burke in the building with us today or joining us on the phone it felt lonely in here without him felt wrong but uh i had to do it come in here get the content out to you guys he'll be back as soon as possible i'm sure and uh you know i can't wait to get him back on and and get his takes because you always need a balance you know if you just get my perspective it's not the same you know i need him to balance me out and tell me that that Boston sports are the greatest thing since, you know, the wheel was invented. So, Mike, if you're listening, can't wait to get you back in here. The people need you. He'll be active on our on our Twitter page, so you'll see him tweeting on there. And we'll get him back as soon as possible. That's just gonna about wrap it up for Couchside Sports Episode ten. As always, you can catch us on WHS.org slash talk. Also on iTunes, just search couchside sports and you will find us we're 10 episodes deep and it's gonna be a little tougher for us to get uh, the content out like i said mike's at grad school i'm about to start a uh, full-time job here locally Uh, we will still be getting episodes out to you guys on a weekly basis and uh, you know no let up even though we we've got some busy schedules going on we will get it to you thank you guys so much for listening that's gonna wrap it up for us today on couchside sports This was episode 10. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go enjoy some great football this week, and we will see you next time on Couchside Sports. Peace.